Welcome to episode 24 of 1530. Today we're going to be discussing the 2019 season, who the standout players were, who improved the most, and just see kind of what the numbers um, showed and how the young guns did. We obviously know uh, Djokovic and Nadal had both great years. We want to see how other players did as well. Welcome to 1530. Now introducing your hosts, Ben and Matt. My name's Ben. I'm Matt. Why don't you start us off with the set of the day, Ben? Let's do the stat of the day. So we want to go back to the World Tour Finals. They were played in London, and Dominic Team and Stefano Tsitsipas were in the final. It was actually a really good match. It ended up going three sets. It was pretty tight, and it was a third-set tiebreaker that Tsitsipas ended up winning. But it was interesting that Team was able to fight and to push for a third set because, honestly, overall, the points and the statistics showed kind of a different story. Tsitsipas was winning 75% of his service points, and he was winning 35% return points. So overall, he won 54% of the total points won. So I think that's great credit not only to Tsitsipas's great serving and good enough returning to get some of those points, but also team. He's such a fighter. Even though Tsitsipas was kind of outplaying him, he was still able, still able to force a third set tiebreaker, and it was really anybody's anybody's match to win. Of course, Tsitsipas came out on top. But, it, you know, had Team won, it would have reminded me a little bit of the Federer-Djokovic-Wimbledon uh, final because Team was able to win a lot of the important points to kind of get back into that match. But any any thoughts, Matt, on uh, Post being the um, ATP World Tour Finals winner? It's weird. We've had several different winners the last few years. Not really any consistency in the last few years. Yeah, it is kind of interesting, right? You, you can pretty much count on the big four for the, you know, the grand slams. Um, but that, I feel, yeah, that last tournament is always kind of a wild card. Rafa didn't even make it out of the round robin it, because of Zverev, because Zverev beat him in that first, in that round robin, and then um, did enough to make it out of there. But uh, no, I think it's great. I think it's great for Sisipas. Um He has a lot of potential. He showed that at different points throughout the year. And we can, you know, talk about that a little bit, but. Um, so it was just a nice culmination at the end for him. I think uh, maybe some other players that had been streaking there at the end of the year maybe were a little bit uh, worn down, Medvedev being one of them. Um, you know, maybe just kind of burned out. Sizapas, I don't, I don't remember how he did in the uh, in the U.S. Open, but probably maybe had a little more gas in the in the tank at the end there and was able to to play and and make it yeah so i think it's great i think it's great to see some changes there at least have one tournament where we get some fresh faces uh holding up the trophy at the end it's cool yeah um because i think the previous year it was dominic team or it was excuse me alexander zverev taking on the trophy beating novak djokovic in the final mm -hmm. of all people and then before that it was grigor dimitrov beating Goffin. so yeah kind of weird that you know Federer's dominated the tournament djokovic for a few years in a row would win it every year now the last few years, we, we can't really get the repeat winner. It's always someone different. Um, I was under the – I my, kind of my prediction was whoever was going to be aggressive and play really aggressive indoor tennis would win the tournament. And I thought going in, Roger Federer had a good chance with not having to face Djokovic or Nadal to get there. But Tsitsipas, you know, he was just way too good. And we'll get into those stats. And Tsitsipas did play that good indoor tennis. You know, he was dominating, and that ultimately was the difference maker. So – Kind of a, a good prediction, but I picked the wrong player. 
Dixie Fox <laughs> kind of outfettered Fetter. Sure did. So it, was a, it was an interesting match. But first, let's uh, go through some of the other numbers of that final. Looking at Dominic Team, it was a pretty long final. It was two and a half hours. Like I said, Team definitely was able to kind of grit it out. Looking at the first serve percentage, though, Team was able to spin in a little bit more serves, get more serves in than Team or than Tsitsipas, sorry. So 69% for Team versus 62% for Tsitsipas. But again, that first serve points won. Tsitsipas was just so good, 83%. He had a lot of great volleys up in the net and a lot of just attacking first strike tennis um, that I'm always a, a big fan of watching. And then the second serve points one team still above 50%, 52%, but Tsitsipas 62%. And Tsitsipas was, uh, they both did a good job on break points. Team saved 70%. Tsitsipas saved 75%. And then we've kind of already gone over the return numbers. Tsitsipas was just, just better on the day returning. So overall, I think uh, a great, great match for the fans. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was high quality tennis. If uh, if the big four really are dead or they're not going to be as dominant, I'm, I'm okay with what the future has with tennis, but I think team was pretty lucky to get to that third set tiebreak. I agree. And yeah, that's the interesting thing, right? Two of those three sets went to a tiebreak. And so obviously a very close match all the way from the beginning to the end. So good yep. tennis to be, to be watched. Yeah. And, and kind of satisfying in the, in the championship match to have it decided by a tiebreak. You know, it's, you know, it makes it more intense, more thrilling for the fans. People were, were freaking out there at the end. It was pretty fun. So let's go looking at the semifinals that led up to that. So I mentioned Tsitsipas defeated Roger Federer. And that was a, a weird match on a lot of levels. Tsitsipas, once he got the break, he just kind of ran away with it. There was a few times, a few moments of the match where Federer was trying to swing the pendulum back his way and he would get break points. And then Tsitsipas continually would save him. There's a lot of really long deuce games. But ultimately, Tsitsipas, he showed that he had some grit too. He had some, some mental toughness there. He saved 92% of break points. That's the toughness I'm talking about. Versus Feder, you know, saved 25%, even though, you know, he didn't, he didn't serve the best, but still not even good enough to get out of a lot of these break chances that he had. For the first serve percentage, Federer was a little bit lower. It was 56%. That's lower than you used to seeing him have. Tsitsipas, 63%. First serve points one, Federer had 70%. to Tsitsipas, 64 But second serve, Federer was just getting lit up on that. He only won 46% of second serve points one. Tsitsipas won a very good percentage of 55%. So that's kind of what it came down to. Federer only won 47% of the points to 53% to Tsitsipas. And he... Couldn't take advantage of those break points. He had chances to get back in the match and level it. And it was a straight set affair. It was, it was a pretty fast match in that in that regard. So kind of surprising. I was pretty surprised to, to see that. I thought he would at least push it to three sets. But credit to Tsitsipas for not for bending but not breaking to Federer. Yeah, absolutely. I, you already said it, but uh, Tsitsipas has a style very similar to Federer. And I think he was playing that style very well in this match especially. And so... Uh, yeah, I mean, he executed really well. As, as you said, those break points, that percentage, I feel like, is is huge. Fed obviously had a lot of opportunities to break and either stay in the match or you know grab a set or take control of it, but he wasn't able to convert those those critical points. Yeah, and it was weird because on some of those points, you know, Federer would play defensive or just like focus on getting the ball in, and then he would, you know, focus on getting it in, maybe spin it in, and then Tsitsipas would just crush it in the opposite corner. So he was just, like you're saying, 
he was kind of out fettering Federer. He was playing so offensive that, you know, taking a little bit off it was actually kind of hurting Federer at times. And he started to miss some, but it was just really just Tsitsipas just finding his corners and hitting a lot of really good winners. That's what it, what it was. He had a great day. Yeah, it's hard to hard to win when you're playing against that. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, on the other semifinal, it was also a straight set affair. Team defeated Zverev. You know, Zverev did a good job making it into the semifinals, but again, kind of fell short, kind of maybe representing his year overall. Not the best year for him. He aced on 12% of his points, which seeing that number alone, I'm kind of surprised that he lost or at least didn't push it to three sets uh, compared to 9% for, for team. Both guys were acing a decent amount. But Zverev, 60% on the double faults and team yeah, only 3%. Like so I, I don't know if he was just trying to go for it too much on serve or, again, if he's mentally just not there. But I think he double faulted on a set point, if I remember, or on a really, really big point, maybe a break point. So not just not the best day for for Zverev. He won a good amount of uh, of first serve points, sixty eight percent. It's not terrible, but team was just like untouchable. He was eighty one percent. So and then the second serve, both were both were in the fifties. Team was bordering on the sixties though, fifty nine percent. Zverev is at fifty percent, and so ultimately break points. Kind of again coming down to the who was clutching the moment. Team saved all of his break points, hundred percent. It's very upsave, sixty percent. So, team was just better in the in the moment with those those big first serves, trying to find a way to win. It's very of just you know he he got some aces, but it came at a cost. I think he he double faulted too much. So ultimately, Zverev only only won twenty eight percent return points to team's thirty six percent, and then that's the match, kind of dominating match by team one, winning fifty five percent of the points overall. Yeah, that's and it was a pretty fast match too. An hour and a half. That's that's a faster one for someone like Team who is known to take longer in these matches, grinding it out. Yeah, yeah, that's a big number because we said what a couple episodes ago, fifty-one percent was the average. That what was it? Or if you won, I think if you won like fifty-two percent, then you had a a good chance of winning the match. So yeah, yeah so that fifty-five percent is like right. Yeah, that's way. Yeah, it's like no contest, like you're saying. Statistically, you're going to win the match if you win 55%. Because winning, what was it, 52 or 52 and a half, whatever we said, yeah, you're so. going to win that match statistically too. So, yeah, it's a good point you bring up. 55% doesn't seem like a lot, but in tennis, it's that's like getting blown out of a basketball game by 30, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I guess looking, so we had the final tournament of the year. It was pretty exciting, even though there was no big four in the final, which, you know, interesting there. But – any players, Matt, from 2019 that really impressed you or anyone that you want to talk about in particular? Um, we've already talked about them. Uh, obviously, there are a number of, of players that kind of stood out. Um, when we started 2019, we talked about the young guns coming up or um, maybe possible uh, possible outliers or people that were going to have breakout seasons. I mentioned Gofan. I'm still a big fan of him, but he did not produce – results this season so that was a little bit off the mark on that one that's all right though i mean we've already talked about cc pass a, a little bit from that tournament obviously a, a great uh culmination of of the year for him a great way to end the year hopefully he can carry that momentum into the aussie open and um, do some good stuff there uh, i think medvedev obviously had a, a stellar 
uh, second half of this season, right? The mm -hmm. after the French Open, or I guess after Wimbledon, when uh, yeah, 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 Wimbledon, and then yeah, whatever. Once the clay court or the hard court season started, uh, he just kind of rocketed out um, and uh, played super well. He got to what like three finals and the Masters tournaments leading up to the U.S. Open, and then made it to the finals. Is that right? Yes, to the U.S. Open final. Yeah, 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 to the U.S. Open final. So playing super, super well. Um, uh, just a really, uh, really well done. Obviously, he I think he petered out there at the end, but um, you know, obviously building a strong foundation, making his name known, and um, getting invited to the war, the the final, the final tournament, and uh, again, see if he can do some good things. If we look at um, kind of his 2019 season stats compared to just the year before in 2018. Um, he's, he, how do I say this? Increased his stats uh, in pretty much every area. Um, mm -hmm. So his, you know, his first serve percentage was up two points. His first serve um, win percentage was up a point and a half. His second serve win percentage was up almost four points. Um, so these are good things to see, right? He he improved in multiple areas of his game. He was winning more break points, winning more return points. Um, and so just overall, uh, playing cleaner tennis, playing better tennis, which is, you know, going to produce results at some point. And he saw that. He saw that very, very clearly in, in the hard court second half of the season. So I thought that was interesting to see. Yeah, I, I agree. Looking at his numbers... Like you said, they've kind of impressive across the board. You know, even going up two percent in a cat in in every category is very significant when it comes to tennis. But I, I'm really looking at his his returning numbers. You know, he's up four percent on second serve return points one, up four percent on break points one, up three percent overall on return points one, and that's translating to five percent more or four and a half percent more. Excuse me, return games one. That is hugely significant. And overall, that led him to to be winning almost nine percent more matches. Mm -hmm. So his, his serve got better, but I think his you know just being out there with the big guys, being able to read serves well, it's it's translating to him breaking quite a bit. Um, and not to mention, like I said, I mean he's a big, he's a pretty tall dude. He's got a great serve, and so if he's breaking as much as he did, I mean no wonder why he just blew through everyone in the hard courts because he's breaking, he's breaking everyone, he's breaking Djokovic, right? You know be him pretty easily in Cincinnati actually. So yeah, he's got a lot of upside. I mean, if he improves even, you know, a little bit, I think he could be in contention for majors, but again, it remains to be seen. It's a long season. He did get a little bit burned out toward the end, but the guy's a force to be reckoned with on hard courts. I'm really interested to see if he can have success on clay or grass. I feel like, I feel like he could do good, especially on grass, but well, I mean, why not any surface if he's breaking the way he is? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think grass, especially I don't. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, obviously you can do well I, on clay. I think, um, Rafa and team are, are just too good. The both of them, it's going to be hard for anybody to really pull out any majors or at least, you know, the French. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're the still standard. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I was thinking, you know, a few years ago, Djokovic at all had one of the best, I think it was a semifinal in the Roland Garros, like one of the best clay matches. But now it's, I mean, team has beaten Joke a couple times in the semis. 
Mm-hmm. And it seems to be team in Nadal, you know, last couple of years in the finals. So they're, they really are the gold standard. And I don't want to pick against Rafa, but I, I really do think team can win a French Open. He's He's got the game to win. Yep, I agree. Uh, a player I'm impressed with. So let me just read you. You probably already know, but let's go ahead and read to our, our listeners that the top 10 in ATP rankings. So the first three shouldn't come as a surprise. You have Rafael Nadal took home two slams. He won the, the Roland Garros, the French Open, and the U.S. Open. So naturally, he's the number one player. Djokovic also took home two slams, Wimbledon and the Australian Open. He's number two. Federer didn't have any slams, but number three, but he did have some, some big tournaments like Miami. Um, and such other tournaments. Team was number four, so our French Open runner-up. Number five, Medvedev, right? So the first four we're kind of used to seeing being at the top of the rankings. Medvedev's number five. So just having that second great second half of the season, I think really propelled him above the rest. Number six, Tsitsipas. Again, he had a really good start to the season, making the Australian Open semifinals, then kind of had a bad middle part of the season, but again, kind of recovered toward the end and had a pretty good, especially indoor tennis season. And then Zverev, number seven, even though, you know, we give him such a hard time, he's he's had a rough year, especially by the standards that he wants, you know, to be going deep into majors. He still hasn't gone deep in majors, really. Yeah, I feel he like we say that every final. every year about Zverev. He's had yeah, a rough every year. year right? He's had a rough year. <laughs> he's had a rough year. Yeah, but, but still, yeah, he's never done. He hangs around. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to be in the top ten. The top ten is just... It's it's amazing the amount of talent needed and the consistency. He's done pretty well at these at these Masters tournaments. He just has to figure out the slams. I don't know what it's going to take because well, it I, seems like he goes set down and then he has to fight back. You know the whole tournament he's doing that. So yeah, and that's the thing, right? I mean, we say we say yeah, he's not winning these Grand Slams. He's not getting to the finals, um, but he's consistently there. You know, I think he may have bowed out in one grand slam pretty early, but I think he made it to the second week on the other three. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but he usually is what I'm saying. At least goes a couple matches in. I rarely do you see him knocked out in the very first round. And so I think that's what's allowed him to kind of stay up here and stay in the conversation and stay in the top 10 is yeah, he, he hasn't completely broken through yet, but that's not the only measure of, of yeah. success, you know? And so he, he's there, he's, He's keeping himself at least in the conversation and, you know, maybe, maybe one day he'll find a way to calm down and, and finally break through. But no, that's a good point. Like you're saying, there's not only four, four tournaments in the season. It's a very long, grueling ATP season, a lot of points to be had and the grand slams is though they are the biggest point value and they are the most prestigious tournaments. There are only four of them and there's many other, other tournaments. So uh, number eight is Matteo Berrettini, who, I personally didn't even know who he was until Wimbledon and he's mm. had a fantastic year. I want to talk more about his stats and how much he's impressed me watching him. Number nine, we have Arbatista Gut. Always enjoy watching him. Seems like he continually continuously improves every year. This is about what, you know, what I expect his ceiling to be, but still he he's able to grind out a lot of these matches and play well. And then Mumphy's 10 and then sitting right outside the top 10 is one of your guys, David Gaffan at 11. So, Interesting top 10. I don't know if I would have predicted maybe Medvedev or Berrettini. Or Monfils. Other guys, yeah, yeah they're, they're right up there. Their talent, they are living up to their talent. And noticeably absent, right? You have Kyrgios not there, Murray not there, injured. Stan is still recovering from injuries. So some other guys, maybe Kyrgios will not, but Murray and Stan will be interesting to see if they can regain the top 10 glory. 
Where is Stan right now? I believe he's 16. 16, yep. And Murray's like out of the top 300, I think is what I read. He's way out there. So I'm predicting at least one of them can make it into into the top 10. We most likely Stan. But, uh, yeah, it'll be really interesting. Murray was saying the latest thing, he doesn't have hip pain. I don't know if he's just saying that or trying to do positive thinking, (laughs) but hopefully, yeah. I mean, hopefully we can see him play well at Australian Open. So, yeah. Uh, and that's fantastic, right? I mean, we thought he was going to play one more match just to be able to retire after playing a match, and right, and he would be done. But yeah, he's talking like he's going to try to compete again, which is fantastic. It's great yeah. to see that. Yeah, he has such a love of the game, which is which is cool to see. You know, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, he doesn't doesn't need to do it for the money. He's already won a lot of slams. He's oh yeah, he's Andy Murray in Great Britain for crying out loud, right? He has, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he loves the game, which is cool to see. But I want to go back to let's look at Berrettini. So he was one, especially in the indoor hardcore season. Interesting seeing him beat you know really good guys, Roundich, um, go toe to toe with with Hatchinoff and all these other really good players. He's such a tall guy. I believe he's uh, I mean he's got to at least be six 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 five on his height. But he moves so well. Um, been really really impressive. So I looked at his numbers from last year when I didn't even know who he was in 2018 compared to his 2019 numbers. And here's what I came up with as far as improvements. So the biggest improvements I noticed on aces, he's acing almost 2% of the time more, up to 11% uh, in his matches. So obviously a huge server, and he's getting even better at uh, picking his spots there. Um, for the first serve points one, plus, uh, he's improved by 3%, pretty dang significant. And he really does do a good job of, of doing that first strike tennis. But even when he's playing against a good returner, he's not afraid to grind it out either um, or get to the net. He does have a great variety. One of the things I love love to see when he does is when he's playing a baseliner who's staying far back, he goes to that drop shot on the forehand side quite a bit. And it's it can be very it can be a very successful shot for him. So it's interesting to to see his game style. And then so overall he's winning four percent more service games. So marginally better on the second serve points one. It's really the first serve. He's he's getting better at those patterns. A first serve and then hitting his next uh, powerful shot. On the return, um, slightly better. The biggest one, so he's almost 2% better on the second serve return points. And maybe figuring out if he needs to attack a little bit more. Some players are kind of confused what to do on second serve. They're afraid to overhit it and to miss. But also they don't just want to hit it back and let the other guy have the advantage. So... Maybe more experience has helped him. He does seem like he's pretty deliberate now, being more aggressive on that second serve return. Uh, but the big one, maybe it's mental because he's winning 6% more break points, and otherwise he's not really doing anything different on serve. Mm-hmm. His first serve return points are about the same. Second serve, you know, almost 2%. So, But he's winning quite a few more break points. So interesting. Maybe he's just coming up with the goods more, able to convert. And so overall he's winning – almost uh, 3% more return games. So overall in 2019, he won 13% more matches than 2018. So obviously that's going to translate to a rise in the rankings, which it has. He's at a career high number eight in the rankings and just really impressed with the guy. Hopefully he can continue to find ways to improve. You know, a lot of these taller guys, you don't see them move as well, but he's kind of an exception to that for sure. Really good player. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. That's interesting. He went from, that 13% uh, matches one. So he was at 50% and he went up to 63%. So yeah, that means that in 2018, he was 
losing what? So he may win the first round, but he's losing second round almost every time. Yep. Exactly. At, you know, at best. So, yeah, nice to see he's, you know, up to 63%, making making a few more runs. I'm sure Wimbledon, obviously, helps those numbers because he went pretty far in Wimby. And he played so well. I mean, Federer did dis did dismantle him in straight <laughs> Before that, he was playing so well, you know. It's true. Hour bombs. It's like, okay, what can he do? And the guy was moving great on the grass. Some other tall guys, they struggle to move on the grass. Right. It's near exhi exhibit A. Yeah, isn't it? You know, kind of exhibit A there. But he was kind of playing more like a roundage, you know, when he's not had his injuries. She's been really impressed with Berrettini. Because, again, for me, he came out of nowhere. I didn't know who the guy was, to be honest. So um, let's go with uh, Pass. So looking here at the numbers between 2018 and 2019, obviously he had a breakout season 2018. That's when everyone knew his name. He went pretty far at Wimbledon. He beat Djokovic in one of the hardcore Masters 1000s tournaments. I think he beat three top 10 guys um, in that tournament in – can't remember if it was Cincinnati or Montreal, but one of the – one of the hardcore warm-up tournaments for the U.S. Open. But in 2019, he did even get better uh, somehow, which he was pretty good in 2018. So his first serve percentage went up 6%. He was able to, this year, win about 1% more points on his first serve. Second serve, kind of weird. It went actually down a percent. So don't know what really to make of that. But still not at a bad number. 53% um, is what he was at in 2019. So still a, a decent number. But it was just odd to me that it went down. Everything else pretty much went up on his serve. He was able to save more break points. As we saw against Roger, he saved 90-something percent of his break points. And here he was able to save uh, almost 2% more break points this season compared to 2018. And so overall, he's able to serve or to win about 1% more service games. Then you look at his re receiving numbers, uh, mostly the same. He was able to do a little bit better on the first serve return by 2%, almost 2.5%. So don't know what to make of that. Maybe just able to read some serves better or mm. I don't know exactly what's – because that one to me seems more um, – what's the word? Kind of reflex-oriented or yeah. – Yeah. I mean, second serve return points is where you can see some dramatic improvement like team year after year. Nadal somehow gets better year after year. But first serve return points one, that's kind of a harder one in my – just from my yeah. experience, I feel like maybe that's it's just you know being on the tour longer, getting to know your opponents better. I mean, now he's played at least the big four and a few others a couple times, and so maybe he's like you know more comfortable with himself yeah, and on the court with these players as as well as more comfortable with their games. Maybe able yeah, to get a little bit better. I agree with that, especially because you, you go well, okay, you know, I think Federer's going to go up the tee with this one. Is where he likes to go when he's in, in trouble. And, of course, he could go out wide, but maybe he's kind of sitting on some more serves where he's like, yeah, I'm ready to take this one. So, like you said, maybe more familiar with opponents, more comfortable in the court. But, again, interesting, he was worse on the second serve for turn points. One, He won 2% less. And then break points, even more puzzling, 4% worse, 2019 to 2018. So, overall, he actually won about the same, it says, less – uh, yeah, he won about the same amount of return points one return games one, excuse me, at 20%. So a little bit weird, but overall, I think the serve numbers by that 1% helped uh, helped enough because he improved. He still won 8% more matches one. So to me, just looking at these numbers, some of them being kind of puzzling. And I, and I think based on, well, especially watching the World Tour Finals, I think this guy can get even better in 2020. If he can get better at 
returning on those second serve points, being deliberate, being aggressive, or just, I guess, having a game plan, not being tentative um, or missing, and then doing better on his second serve, winning those points. So, yeah, I feel like a couple easy areas to improve, winning more break points. Not that that's easy. It's, you know, it's a mental yeah. game for sure, but it just seems like he's better than what the numbers show. So I, I wonder if he's going to have even better 2020. I'm really excited to see how he does at the Australian Open. And this is one of the unique guys where he's won title. He's won a, a, a clay court title. He's done well on the hard courts. And then he also does well on grass. He's one of those few guys, kind of like a Federer maybe, but, but maybe better on clay actually. Tsitsipas seems really good on every surface. And so I'm excited for his 2020. I agree. I want to go back. I, I think that's interesting, the points you brought up, that he's winning fewer break points, but his return games won hasn't really changed so he hmm. i i don't know i look at that and say okay well he's maybe he has more chances more chances uh, more break chances and so he's not winning as many but he's still getting those breaks and so he's maybe he's playing more aggressive and having more opportunities in these break games um, yeah yeah more. like yeah like you're saying maybe he gets to 1540 on his opponent's service game he misses the first one he doesn't get the first break point, but then he wins the yeah, second one or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good good point. Kind of a weird uh, anomaly there. I didn't expect to see because obviously he's at a career high in his ranking. So I expected right. most of the numbers to be either the same or better, and some of them were significantly worse. Right. So I just right. I just think the guy has has a really high ceiling because he can play really good tennis. I agree. Yep, and I I, I agree with you about his kind of all court. Uh, ability a lot of a lot of these young guns they at least start out kind of specializing in one and you know maybe reach into another one as they progress but from the get-go he has seemed to be comfortable on all these courts all these types so right. that's great i think it's cool to see and fun to watch for sure right or 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 they have to adapt like team you could see he was really he's been good on clay kind of from the beginning but then had some really bad hardcore stretches where he just couldn't win games. He like he would just struggle on his service page. Like, what's the deal? This guy's a decent serve. And then this year he wins Indian Wells against Federer in three sets. He does really good at at least the World Tour Finals. Can't remember his result at the U.S. Open, but all of a sudden he becomes one of the better clay court or better hard court guys this year. Excuse me. Before that wasn't the case. So he obviously made some adjustments, kind of like Nadal. He had to make adjustments in order to win the U.S. Open, put more on his serve, flatten it out more, etc. Like you're saying, Tsitsipas is just natural, naturally good at all of these surfaces, which is kind of kind of weird to be to be honest. But it, it'll be interesting to see. Can he be in contention for multiple titles throughout the year? We'll see. Yeah, I agree. and he's higher seeded now, so he's not going to run into these guys um, super early. He's not going to run into Feder first round, right? Yep, exactly. It's not going to happen. So, yep, that should help. <laughs> all right, talk to us about Rafael Nadal. How right. how big year did he have? So he ended the year number one, right? He won what? Two of the four? Two of the four. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, which is great. So you would think that, again, his numbers compared to 2018 would go up. Um, and they didn't really. Um, I, I would say they mostly just stayed the same. Yeah. If not got maybe just slightly a tad bit worse. So I think... Um, the most interesting thing. So I guess we can go through some of these. So his first serve percentage actually uh, dropped by a, a, a percent. And then the return game, 
he dropped uh, again by 1% on his first and second serve return points one. And uh, as well as, you know, again, just 1% uh, drop in the break points one, break point percentage win. Um, but so, yeah, so I mean, 1%, right? What's 1%? Probably not that much. He's pretty much just stabilizing, getting the points that matter. And that's what allowed him to uh, really. I guess make a run in U.S. Open, and obviously in the French, he he plays well and was able to overcome team again. I think an interesting point is while his first serve percentage dropped uh, a tad bit from sixty five point six to sixty four point seven, um, his first serve win percentage went up by four percent. So you made a point uh, off air um, that you know maybe he's being more aggressive on that first serve, which is. You know, he definitely has been working on that first on that serve, and uh, definitely is playing more aggressive with that with his service, and so uh, that makes sense to me, right? So he's, yeah. you know, maybe that's causing him to miss a few more, but ultimately he's winning more on that first serve, which is, you know, critical. It's it's super important. So he was he won seventy six percent of his first serve um, points. Uh, in 2019 which is great which is really really good um overall if you want to look at matches one he actually dropped three percent but hmm. here's the interesting thing i was looking at i mean we talk about these uh these young guns coming up like oh wow they you know increased like 12 percent but still they're sitting at like 63 percent of their matches one even Pass was at 68 percent of his matches one rafa nadal uh -huh. drops three percent and he's at 89 percent of his matches one and so it's like, and I'm sure it's this way with Joke. I'm sure it's this way with Fed. I don't have their numbers in front of me. It, it It's just crazy to me to see that, right? I mean, we expect these guys to go deep, deep, deep in every tournament they, they're in because they do. And, and you know, we're, we're surprised when they drop from 92% down to 89% of their matches won. It's like, it's yeah. pretty crazy. But um, obviously had a dominant year, obviously. Got closer to Fed with that uh, uh, Grand Slam titles number. Maybe this yep. year he can take him. We'll see what happens. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, I, I think you brought up some really good points because it is crazy. You know, I'm looking at la or last year, 2018. So Nadal made one final in the in uh, one Grand Slam final, and you could guess which one he won, which one he made the final, which one he won. It was the right. French Open, right? And uh, 2019, he made three finals, so three more, two more Grand Slam finals. He only won two of them, only. Should have been only. So, it should have been all three. <laughs> Man. You know, but uh, so, but just interesting, like you're saying. So, so you go from 2018 to 2019, you're like, yeah, he's way better because he made three finals compared to one, and he won two compared to one. Like I said, that's the, not what the numbers showed, which was interesting. But I think what, what you were pointing to with that first serve percents, first serve percentage points one, I think that's really the key, like you're saying. I mean, he he already wins 59% second serve points one. That didn't change. That's an absurdly high number. And then you take his first serve points one, which 72% isn't bad, but it's not a Federer or even a Tsitsipas number. And he improves that to 76%. You know, if if he's serving that good on first and second serves, seventy six percent and almost sixty percent, you're probably not going to break the guy. That's what those numbers are telling me. <laughs> and this is a guy that's known for his return and not for as good of a serve. So, 
I mean, if he can keep that up next year, I would pencil him in for at least one, if not two slams, at least. Because that's those are some absurd numbers, especially, like you said, when these guys are knocking on the door and these guys are not pushovers, right? These guys playing good, you know, team returns right. as well as anybody, right? So, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see if Nadal can keep those numbers up. But like you said, return, return game kind of kind of went down, you know, a couple percent. Um, and ultimately, he went down a couple percent in matches won, but still he's hovering close to 90% of matches won. So an incredible year by Nadal. Interesting to see how he – these new or these these established players, these elite players of the game, somehow continue to reinvent themselves. He improves four percent on his first serve. You know, he's been playing for years. It's astounding. It shows how much they love the game. It shows how they want to get better and try new things. Right? He has different coach. Doesn't have his uncle Tony anymore. And you know, his coach Moya. <coughs> excuse me. I think he's helping to push his game to new heights. People are saying. He was stale with Uncle Tony. I was a little bit, you know, worried, wondering what it would be having losing his uncle there. But I think it clearly has done good things for his game overall. The doll's been very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uncle Tony did great things for him, forced him to learn left-handed, which yeah. I mean it's just <laughs> insane in its own right. But uh, yeah, I think I think that relationship got a little stale. It's time for yeah. him to Find some new, some new uh, perspective. Right. I think it's been a fantastic move for him. So. Yeah, just like getting a new, you know, offensive corner. You know, your playbook gets a little That's stale. Cool. Time for some new, fresh perspective, like you're saying, some new ideas. Because Nadal's got a lot of great tools, you can just use them in different ways. And uh, Moya's really helped him to be more aggressive on these points as he's getting older. So it's yeah, it's going to make him tougher to beat. So we'll see. Let's see. Let's la- the last bit. Let's do a prediction here. Who do you got for 2019 or 2020? <coughs> when in slams? Anybody uh, in particular? Um, man, as much so, and that's the interesting thing, right? It obviously, it depends on the slam. Um, we can sit here and say, "Oh, Rafa's a lock for the French." I I don't know. I mean, team is team gets closer every year and uh rafa's not getting any younger as good as he is and as much as he keeps improving himself and changing himself uh, there's going to come a day you know and i think we saw that maybe with fed a little bit this year kind of just a little bit of a of at least a plateau <laughs> i'm not, not saying there was any drop there but you know he i i don't know i felt like fed was looked very human this year for some reason. Um, but I think Rafa's going to get to that point soon at, at, at some point. Um, so I could see team if we're looking for, you know, maybe a surprise or some upstarts for some new faces, at least I think I could see team easily taking the French if he gets some things to fall right for him. And uh, I CC pass, man, he, if he can play as good as he played this year and Medvedev as well, they can increase their stamina a little bit and get a little, you know, continue working on that consistency, consistency. Um, I could see them doing some good things, taking at least one of the two hard courts. Joke is always around. You know, I think he had some injuries here at the end of the year, which messed him up a little bit. I'm sure he'll be healthy coming in and he loves the Aussie. He all, I mean, always plays well at the Australian Open, always plays well everywhere, but there especially. Uh-huh. So, I, I mean, He's always a force to be reckoned with. Always makes me nervous when, <laughs> yeah, when Rafa goes up against him or somebody that I want to see win, see play well. So, I 
that's the thing, right? I mean, we always go back to the big four. Fred's <laughs> always a force. He's always, you know, especially when Wimbledon rolls around, he's always going to be there, always, uh, always a heavy favorite. Um, but I don't know. And I, I know we say this every year. We said it at the end of 2018. Some of these young guns are finally going to start breaking the barrier. And I think, you know, this year is a riper field than ever um, for some, some real changes to finally start happening. So we'll see what happens. I don't think right. I, it's I almost like the odds are going to are going to make it to the Grand Slams if we're going, you know, all the all the way down. I think uh, I don't know. Maybe Warinka will. Murray, I think that hip surgery was huge, and I'm. It's awesome to see him back. It's awesome to see him playing. Um, but I think it's going to take a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot for him to to really compete in, and at least the the four Grand Slams. Yeah. So ultimate prediction: Are we going to see some new Slam winners, or are we going to see more of the same Djokovic times two, Nadal times two? Yeah, we're going to do it. It's going to happen this year. Someone's going to break through. Okay, and if you have to pick a guy, Nadal or Djokovic, let's say only one of them gets multiple slams, which one gets which one gets multiple slams this year, oh. if any? Mm. I got to go with Rafa. Okay. Yep, he's just too good at the French, and so. And then he just needs one more. Okay. And it, and it's weird to say this because he was so bad at the U.S. Open for so many time, so many years. But it, you know, if I had to pick a second one, I wouldn't pick Wimbledon and I wouldn't pick Australia. I would pick U.S. because yeah. it just seems by by that point of the season, Federer and Djokovic weirdly has a problem there, not not doing super good there. It seems yeah. like it's kind of a dull. But well, that's I, the interesting I, thing, right? I, I mean, guns could break through there at the U.S. Who? I think the young guns, one of the young guns could break through at the U.S. Yeah, though, which Medvedev almost did this year, right? But, he sure did. He got close. So, yeah. all right. Well, those are some good predictions. I'll go ahead and make my predictions. I also yeah. think we will have a new slam winner this year. If I had to be forced to narrow it down, I would say between Tsitsipas and team, one of those mm -hmm. two guys is going to win a slam. I, I don't yeah. want to necessarily put too much of a burden on one of them, but <laughs> one basket, as, as you could say. But I think one of those guys will walk away with a slam this year. I think the rest of the slams could be business as usual. I, I hope. I really, I do think Federer could take a slam this year, take Wimbledon, get kind of get some revenge if he faces Djokovic or whoever he faces, because that I was agree. just that was very bitter this year. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to take uh, more management, right? So I know there has been a rising voice of uh, of uh, uh, I don't know displeasure <laughs> by fans and old tennis pros alike of the the match management or the tournament management of some of these big four as they get older they decide not to play in some of the bigger tournaments and you know the old guys say well i when i was playing i i played every tournament and everything i could i you know whatever but it's just the way it is the sport you know as <laughs> as the years progress in every sport the physicality of it just gets more and more and more extreme and, and requires so much more of these athletes. Um, and so I think, uh, and I know Fed and, and Rafa have already been doing it. I think the reason that Rafa was so good at the U S open this past year is because he managed um, his playtime so much there at the end of the season. I think Fed in order to really compete there will have to do the same it, to a, a greater extreme than he has been in the past. Yeah. And I think Joke's going to have to start thinking that way too because he's starting to get injuries racking up. But, yeah. Well, that was the other point I wanted to make too with Nadal, right? The years he kind of wins, usually wins two slams. The next year he usually regresses and only wins the one. Yeah. 
Kind of like the economy doesn't always go up. <laughs> you, you have some correct. It feels like Rafa with the injuries keeps him at least humble, um, unfortunately. But I, I wonder yeah. if this year will be an injury year just because it seems like it's kind of cyclic with Rafa. Not not hoping that on him, of course. But no, sure, he sure. plays a lot of mileage and his, his game style is a little bit physical. But maybe that's why Carlos Moya is trying to, trying to get him to be more aggressive on that first serve. So I don't know. Yeah, but absolutely. but I, I wonder if we'll see that this year. I really do think Federer last year had a great season, really up until Wimbledon. It was a season of two halves, right? He won Miami. You know, he he lost to Tsitsipas in Australia, sure. But he recovered from that pretty well made. He won Dubai, made the Indian Wells final, lost it. Such a close match to team, really credit to team. Won Miami and then won the, the grass warm up there. And then at Wimbledon, played amazing tennis and unfortunately lost that heartbreaker. And then from there on, wasn't really the same. Don't know if he was exactly injured, but just didn't play with the same gusto. So I, I just wonder if he gets off to a better start this season, if he can he, he can write the ship. And it seems like he does this sometimes. He, he, he claims to not to move on pretty quickly, and I think he does, but it just it affects the season. Like the year, I think it was 2018, where he had match points against Del Potro and Indian Wells. Mm-hmm. Kind of point on he because he won the australian open so he was amazing there right beat chillich and then he made the indian wells final had match points over del potro lost it and then from that from then on the season was totally different he didn't play well really at all after that so it's just kind of a weird year i wonder if some of these losses kind of kind of stick with you when you know you know you have fewer fewer chances in between so i really do hope and i and i do think fetter can can pull off a major this year yeah but it's not gonna be easy. Tsitsi Pass dismantled him this year. He has a lot to think about. He just had mm-hmm. he's struggling breaking Tsitsi Pass. It's it's the it's the weirdest thing. And I, I think yeah. Australian Open could be the most wide open it's been in a long time. Because though Djokovic and Federer to the lesser extent for a couple of years, 2017, 2018, it's been their tournament. I think people are gonna be hungry as ever. So I, I, I just wonder the first major of the year, everyone's rested and they're they're hungry. Yep. Yep. Don't get me wrong. Fed's always a force, and he's always a favorite at Wimbledon. He's always a always a heavyweight in all these other ones. I mean, yeah, I could see that easily. See Fed having a great year. Yeah, Who but knows? he needs to be healthy too, just like just like Nadal. You know, they're getting they're not getting sure. younger, so yeah, absolutely, be. absolutely. Well, we've made a lot of good predictions, and hopefully, we've recapped uh, twenty nineteen, giving it justice. It's been a lot of great tennis this last year. A lot of great new faces. Uh, the young guns getting even better. We didn't even talk about Alex Dimonor uh, winning the the next gen finals. You know, there's some other really exciting players knocking at the door. But you know, we're looking forward to 2020 and the great matches that hopefully lie in store for us. So, as always, visit us at cognitionsphere.com. Our theme music today is brought to us by Kevin MacLeod with excerpts from his song "Cool Rock." And until next time, we'll see you on the court. Also. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And if you enjoyed any of these episodes or this episode that you listened to, uh, feel free to post about it on social media. 